The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown presents The Battle of Ruritania, Episode 5. A car would be too noisy and too easy to spot on the road. Horses were too unpredictable. But a pair of bicycles, they would do nicely. And so, Sandor and O'Malley found themselves pedaling down a long gravel road, hugging the river as a breeze bit through their wool coats. They wore brimmed caps and messenger bags were slung over their shoulders. They looked like two newsboys, carrying papers across the brown farmland. O'Malley didn't mind stretching his legs and he liked how the tires bounced over potholes, but he frowned at the first snowflakes that flittered down from the gray sky. They quickly multiplied into flurries, then a cloudburst. After a mile or so, the pebbles were covered in a white sheet. The brake squealed on O'Malley's bike. Sandor stopped as well, flashing irritation. What is wrong? Flat tire? The storm, said O'Malley. We'll be leaving our tracks in the snow. Sandor grimaced. You wish to go back? I don't wish to, no. Then let us not waste time. With that, Sandor pedaled onward, into the blinding white. Damned hooligan, muttered O'Malley, even as he raced to catch up. Fifteen kilometers was a fair distance in a kingdom as small as Ruritania, and the hills and forest rolled quickly past them until they seemed to enter a wholly different country. The sun was hidden behind solid overcast, but dusk was clearly falling. The land darkened all around, and lanterns already hung over cottage doorways. There it is said Sandor. Welcome to the castle of Tsenta. The castle was only a black hulk against the sky. A searchlight cut through the gathering night, outlining the roofs and crenellations, giving life to gusts of snow. The men rested their bikes against a tree trunk. Working their way through the dark, they skittered down a small hill, into the former moat. Long ago, this trench had been filled with river water, but it had long since drained. Now it was only a bog of mud and cattails. The way was slow going. They trudged along with neither flashlight nor walking stick, and O'Malley's boots sank deep into the freezing sludge. At last, they reached the foot of the castle. Sandor leaned against the wall and unbuckled his satchel. As O'Malley's eyes adjusted, he saw the Count pull out a bundle of rope, which he carefully unraveled. When the rope was ready, Sandor held a hook in his gloved hand. He examined its three curved prongs, then glanced at the doctor. You are certain you wish to do this, he said. O'Malley hesitated. This was the part he had most dreaded. Forty-two years of age, 
and heaving himself up a hemp line. He hadn't exercised in months, and he shuddered at the idea of so much exertion when the stakes were so high. He wanted to stay back, to let Sandor take it from here. But even O'Malley had his pride. Just throw the damned rope, will ya? Sandor whirled the rope. It barely made a sound in the muted air. He released, and the hook flew from his hand, rocketing up the wall. It caught on stone somewhere above. The wall wasn't high, six meters at most, but there was no telling what was up there. They waited a full minute, listening for movement, for voices. When nothing came, Sandor pulled, and the rope went taut. That will hold, he declared. He heaved himself upward, expertly leveraging his feet against the stonework. In less than a minute, Sandor had disappeared over the edge. O'Malley waited. He breathed into his gloves. He kicked the snow off his boots. He watched the wall, eager for a signal. There was only the dark sky above and the occasional passing of the searchlight. At last, Sandor appeared. He waved, ushering O'Malley upward. The doctor sighed, and then he grabbed the rope. He moved in fits and starts, hand over hand. Halfway up, his forearms strained. His shoulders burned. His feet felt clumsy, bouncing against the wall. But he reached the top, and Sandor clasped his wrist and pulled him over. What was the holdup? O'Malley panted. See for yourself, Sandor panted back. A figure lay prone on the stone catwalk. Face down in the shadows, the sentry didn't look like much, just a bundle of olive fatigues, collecting snow in the folds of his uniform. Dead, O'Malley whispered. Unconscious. I struck him from behind. I was fortunate he was facing the other way. We'll have to hide him. They dragged the sentry into an adjacent tower, propping him against a wall. O'Malley looked solemnly at the young man. Hatless, head drooped to the side, he looked like any crew-cut adolescent. O'Malley had never been faithful to his Hippocratic oath, and he hardly considered himself a true doctor. Yet he still felt that pang, to dress wounds, to mend, to cure leaving the poor fellow in a frigid stairwell, hidden in the shadows, defied his every instinct. Are you coming? Sandor's voice echoed from the spiral staircase, which he was already descending. O'Malley ripped the luger from his satchel, cocked it, and stage-whispered, right behind you. The steps led to a corridor and O'Malley was relieved to see its long stripe of velvet carpet. Ancient stone ribs held up the ceiling, and the walls were dense with paintings, electric lamps, and suits of armor. They skulked soundlessly down the passage, pistols raised ahead of them. 
The occasional window was filled with stained glass, the colored panes encrusted in snow. Voices. Sondor threw his body against the wall, and O'Malley stumbled behind a pillar. The voices grew louder, clearer. At least two men were approaching from the adjacent hall. O'Malley knew precious little German, but he could now hear every syllable. He tried to make himself flush with the masonry, but he knew that the speakers could easily turn toward them, and there would be no hiding. Bullets or fists, O'Malley should brace himself for a fight. But the strangers passed. They continued in a straight line until the conversation quieted and went silent. Another door, another staircase. These steps were naked stone, leading downward. The chill air felt distinctly subterranean. A room opened before them, and O'Malley raised his pistol. He closed one eye, scanning the chamber for movement. He saw shelves, metal doors, and several desks littered with papers. He saw examination tables standing beneath pools of lamplight. And there, sprawled across one of those tables, was a body. Sandor and O'Malley approached the reclining figure. The torso was bulky and muscular, as were the arms and legs. The skin was gray and crisscrossed with blue veins. The man had been athletic, clearly. His pectorals were massive, his stomach like cobblestone. From the neck down, he looked like a sideshow strongman. Above the neck, there was nothing to see. The head had been flawlessly removed. They'll be severing the arms and legs as well, I wager, mused O'Malley. He gestured to the shoulders and pelvis, where perforated lines had been marked in India ink. Could this be a test subject? Sandor murmured. A victim of the weapon. Possible, said O'Malley. If only we knew what this weapon looked like. Can't imagine they're reinventing the guillotine down here. Sandor scratched the scruff of his chin. He turned on his heel and walked back to the first desk. O'Malley, he said, bring your camera. O'Malley did so, pulling the brownie from his bag. The camera was a wood-plated cuboid about the size of a small shoebox. Sandor spread the papers about, revealing a gallery of notes and sketches. The notes showed no particular order, as if they'd been randomly shuffled, and O'Malley hardly had time to skim them. He squared his lens over the first page and snapped a picture. He shifted the papers, rearming the camera, and took another. Again and again, the shutter clicked. Each time, O'Malley reminded himself to hold still. The light was poor, and the slightest movement would turn these pictures into meaningless blurs. Wait, Sandor commanded. He held out a hand, and O'Malley froze. A tense silence followed. Then, 
O'Malley heard it too, light steps on the stairs. Both men fell to the ground. They scuttled past the desks toward the examination tables near the beheaded cadaver. As they did so, a figure emerged from the stairway. He was an older man, wearing a standard lab coat and a dandelion of white hair. He strode casually into the lab, holding a bowl and a spoon. Sandor and O'Malley crouched low, cloaked in shadows. They stood a fair distance from the man, but they dared not move. One shout would alert the whole garrison, and there was nowhere to run. The man perused his papers, every now and again scooping another bite of stew into his mouth. He moved from one desk to another, eating and reading. He hummed to himself, an atonal melody. The man looked unconcerned, wiping broth from his lips with the back of his hand. He reached the final desk. His humming stopped. His eyes drifted across the papers, the same papers O'Malley had just photographed. His posture changed. The bowl clanked down. O'Malley heard the flap of paper. He could practically hear the man think, this is not how I left my notes. Someone has rifled through them. Someone has been here. Someone is still here, this very moment. O'Malley glanced at Sondor. The Count scowled. He held his Luger close. There was no time to hope that the man would second-guess himself. The time was now. But then, the man spoke. Welcome, he said. I hope my little laboratory has found you well. The man backed away, but he didn't retreat toward the staircase. O'Malley watched his shoes step backward, toward the far wall. Sandor straightened to his full height. He pointed the barrel of his Luger at the man. That's far enough. The man scoffed. Far enough. How amusing. The man reached the wall. Behind him, one of the steel doors loomed. I will fire, said Sandor. The man extended a hand. He gripped the metal wheel beside him. But why, he said, haven't you come here for a reason? Do you not wish to see the weapon? O'Malley rose as well. A sickening feeling overtook him. His mind raced. Yet the man hardly seemed to notice his second guest. Instead, he pulled at the wheel and it rotated, slowly at first, then faster. It squeaked, the pitch rising with each revolution. Shoot him, O'Malley murmured. What? Sandor shook his head. But the guards... To hell with the guards, Sandor! Shoot him! Shoot him now! The wheels stopped. A metallic thunk resonated through the chamber. With a whine of hinges, the door swung outward. O'Malley couldn't see inside the cell. His angle was too acute. But then it came. A shape, 
poking out of the doorframe. A face, long and wrinkled, red as a fire engine. Tiny orange eyes blinked in the light. The face was simplified, simian, wreathed in fluffy gray fur. For an instant, the creature turned its head sideways, like a curious child. The man leered, and before O'Malley could even see what the man held in his hand, he heard the blow of a whistle. The creature bristled. Its tiny eyes seemed to dilate. It reared back, all its fur standing on end. Its mouth stretched open, wider than seemed possible. It roared, a deafening roar, a savage blast. The tables trembled, the floor vibrated. The shockwave knocked O'Malley off his feet. He tumbled back against the shelves. All courage evaporated. Escape, O'Malley thought. The word pounded in his mind. Escape, escape, escape. The creature jumped. It sailed across the ceiling, then crashed down on a desk. The wood shattered. Splinters flew. Stationery was flung into the air. It roared again. O'Malley felt the heat of its body, saw its saber teeth, its cavernous mouth. The creature's closeness was enough. O'Malley was petrified. The breath was gone from his lungs. His mind was blank. But what made it worse was the sight of Sandor, standing just beyond the creature, gun at half-mast, his one eye bolted open. Sandor, that dashing swordsman who had waltzed through danger a hundred times before, couldn't move a muscle. Another sound, the clatter of boots, the tinkle of metal. Three soldiers filed into the stairwell. They wore tall fur hats. They toted rifles. Before they could reach level floor, they stopped. They stared. Their jaws hung open. One slipped and fell on his rump. They looked in horror at the creature before them, the source of that primeval roar. They've never seen this before, O'Malley managed to think. They've had no idea what it is they're guarding. In the corner of his vision, O'Malley saw the man with the wild white hair, beaming, showing teeth, arms excitedly folded. He looked like any spectator, giddy with anticipation. Herr Doctor, called one of the soldiers. Was ist los? Ist alles in Ordnung? The creature whipped its head sideways, toward the voice. It lunged across the room, dancing over the desks, crushing them as it went. The creature vaulted toward the soldier, who barely had time to lift his weapon. The creature's arms were loose and powerful. Hands grabbed fabric, and the soldier flew through the air, smashing into shelves. A second soldier fired a shot. O'Malley saw the spray of blood as bullet passed through fur and flesh. But the creature only roared again. It grabbed the man's throat, pinning him against the stone wall. 
The man struggled, his legs jogging uselessly beneath him. But before he could free himself, the creature clamped its paw around the soldier's arm. It pulled, and the soldier screamed, a blood-curdling scream, the scream of a man whose arm was being yanked out of its socket. Go! Sandor shrieked. Run, O'Malley! O'Malley ran. He followed Sandor across the chamber, past the debris, the fallen soldier, the creature itself. They charged up the stairs, into the corridor. They saw the third soldier, far ahead of them, fleeing the scene. O'Malley and Sandor veered right, past the paintings and lamps, the windows and suits of armor. They rounded the spiral staircase to the top of the tower. An alarm sounded, the long whine of a hand-cranked siren, but O'Malley could barely hear it over his own frantic breaths. They passed the sentry, who was still slumped by the doorway. They bolted back into the freezing air, the explosion of snowflakes, the flash of the searchlight. They ran across the walkway, back to the wall. The grappling hook was still there, exactly where they'd left it. You first, O'Malley ordered. No, you, Sandor returned. Damn it, man, there's no time, just go. Sandor bit his lip. He launched himself over the wall, his gloves squealing as he repelled down the rope. O'Malley climbed onto the wall, wedging himself between the two Merlins. He reached for the rope. Escape, he thought. Escape, escape. He saw movement. To his right, a flash of gray, a red face bounding toward him. O'Malley tried to take a breath, but the creature was already there. The hands were already catching him. The arms were already squeezing. O'Malley was yanked away from the wall. He thudded against the stone platform. He couldn't breathe. Pain shot through his skull. He looked up. The crimson face stared back at him. There was no expression, no emotion that O'Malley could read or understand. Then O'Malley felt himself rise, up into the air, lifted like a sack. Electric light flooded the wall. It was so bright, too bright. The fingers released. He felt the thrust, the velocity. The wind sliced through him. O'Malley hadn't been dropped, but thrown. And now, the light was gone, replaced by darkness. He fell and fell. He thought of Lexi, knitting by the fireplace. He thought of Sir Shanley, handing him his first book. He thought of Elizabeth, her coy smile. He swelled with feeling. How he wished he could see them now. There were so many things left to tell them, so many things left undone. He parted his lips as if to say something. He felt the impact, the hard earth, the snap of his own neck, the rush of cold. And then, 
Cullen O'Malley was no more. You've been listening to The Battle of Ruritania, Episode 5, written and performed by Robert Eisenberg. The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown are produced by Airmail Media in Providence, Rhode Island. Music provided and licensed by Audioblocks.com. To learn more about the exciting field of uncanology, visit elizabethcrown.net.